and counting. Right. Um, good evening, everybody. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to give you a little short history about myself, where I've come from, um, where I'm going. Um, as I said, I left home at quite an early age, uh, and basically it caused a lot of trouble. I was not a very nice person. Uh, my actions, I didn't really care. Um, if I hurt somebody, it was their fault, they were in the way. Uh, I made a lot of friends in motorbike clubs and that, that local pub, so drinking, you know, going out and causing trouble was a part of life. Uh, I, when I was about 17, I started working in the medical profession, but I still kept my links with bike clubs and drinking and so on and so forth. And I ended up joining the Royal Navy. Uh, I was a frontline medic. I saw things, did things that nobody should see or do. I don't want to see them again. I was one of the unlucky ones in the early 90s. I was made redundant. Uh, so I lost my job, my house, my pride. You know, anything I had in myself, I lost it. Uh, I then moved back to Shropshire. Uh, carried on working in the medical field. But also followed the way as a teenager. Back with bike clubs, you know with the brotherhood that I'd lost with forces. Uh, I joined in absolutely every activity of the white clubs. Uh, sorry, it's, it's quite difficult. Uh, while this was going on, I got married. I got three amazing kids. And the way of life with clubs went on for years. Until one day, my son, who is now in the army, uh, turned around and said, I want my dad back. The clubs had taken over my life. And without question, I gave up. And I turned up to be a dad again. Uh, it's not three and a half years ago now, because it's about five years ago. My life changed massively. Uh, due to a family breakdown and marriage breakdown, I left the house I was in giving everything to the children and the ex-wife. Uh, I spent time sleeping in a bus shelter and it was winter and it was cold. Uh, somebody then came along and talked to me. Offered me a cup of coffee and I refused it and said, well, all right, if you're not going to have any charity, here's a McDonald's token for a free cup of coffee. Thought, okay, I'll have that. And she listened. Uh, she sat here. She comforted me. My emotional state was not good. And, you know, she saved me. Then. Good bits. Over, oh, just over two years. Over three and a half years ago now, uh, I was forced into go to play a game of bingo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I met, uh, an old friend of mine who used to be a landlord of a pub, and he said he'd found the Lord. And, you know, what was I doing? And, you know, would I like to go along with him? And he offered me a motorbike. I couldn't refuse, could I? And so we made a deal on it and joke about the bingo for quite a while. Over the next couple of months, 
we started talking about God and what he had done for him and what he could do for me. He said, I could do this, get back, back, get back with the bikers, you know, ride and have the friendship I had before. I found this to be true of visiting a club in Manchester. Uh, the difference, these men were honourable and trustworthy. We were invited to join in our course at Barnabas Church. Uh, was it two and a half years ago? About two and a half years ago now. And, you know, opened our minds, so we went in there and we argued and questioned everything that we, ever, we heard. You know, it was well, not good for them, but good for us. But in the end, our questions were answered in the way I wanted. But hey, food, company, it was really good. I was invited to join the national run for this club in Manchester, and we headed for South Wales. Yes, after talking to Claire, they'd been found, you know, been quite scary. I didn't know why, but, you know, I wasn't doing anything wrong in the eyes of anyone. There was time for prayer and group discussions, which they took very seriously. It opened my eyes a lot. On 16th of April 2011, at 25 past eight, we were all in the hall taking communion. Blake came round to me. I looked up and said, what am I supposed to do with this? Ah, this is where it gets me. Uh, I started to cry. Something told me to take it. and said, this is the body of Christ. Something happened. And then the wine came round. And I started to well up again. Couldn't wait to get out of that room. 50 hairy bikers in one room, not a good place, and me crying. I was taken outside by a very good friend, who knows now passed on, and I gave my heart to the Lord. Uh, uh, it was then I realised I really wanted him to play a massive part in my life. What a great feeling. I rode 150 miles back from there, floating on air. The knowledge that the Lord had died on the cross for me, my sins had been forgiven. My life was about to start with the Lord at my side. After this, I found peace and the realisation that the hurt that I inflicted on others had been forgiven. By God, I have been forgiven I've been given a chance to follow the ways of Jesus and hopefully correct the things I've done wrong in the past. Once back in Shropshire, I started the Freedom in Christ course. So Claire and myself signed up and we were lucky enough to have the same group of people that were on the Alpha course. I know I've got a problem in expressing the way I feel, but without the help of my wife, church groups and CMA now, I wouldn't be here now. I know that I'm part of a family, that can never be split, and with God's good grace, I've always been part of it. There is more, but over the last two years since being part of the CMA, I've grown in strength and my faith. My brotherhood is there. Um, I've got the Lord, which is the most important thing, and I know where he wants me to go. 
and that's it. And I'm going to say one word that Colin always says, isn't God good? Good. Isn't God good? You know, Chris, you did quite well then, Bo. Eight minutes. Not that we timed him, but isn't God good? Isn't God so good? Amen. It's strange how things happen in your life and they're not what you plan or you would plan for yourself. But somehow God uses those things that happen for his glory. I can't imagine in any way, shape or form that it was God's plan for me to be brought up in children's homes. But it happened. Nor that as a a 20 year old I would be addicted to hard drugs and be put in a secure mental institution. I can't imagine that it would be part of God's plan that at 23 I'd be in a maximum security jail. But these things happened. I had a big thing in me called a hole where my heart should have been. And I guess it was a heart-shaped hole that I filled with everything except love. Because this word love was something that I heard about but never understood. I knew what it was to be rejected as a child and to hurt as a child and to hate as a child. To hate my parents for putting me away and my brother and sister because they were not. That hatred was an emotion that kept me bound for many, many years. The emotion fueled by alcohol and by drugs. I hurted and I hated. And because I hated, I hurt people. It was an emotion that I lived with until the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It wasn't something that I'd planned on doing, you know, giving my life to Jesus. It had not been part of uh, my plan. I'd enjoyed getting high. I enjoyed hurting people. I rode with the hell's angels and with the devil's disciples. You know, they were the nearest thing to a family that I'd ever had. I enjoyed my life. But I went to church one night because my father was pestering the life out of me. This guy who'd sent me away as a kid turned up. 
many years later, 30 years later, just to knock on my door and say, come to church. And the only way to get rid of him was to go to church with him. It wasn't part of my plan to give my life to Jesus. I didn't need Jesus. I was high. I was happy. But I wasn't really. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be part of a family. I'd got a broken family. My wife had left me when I was in jail and gone off with another guy. I'd lost two children. Um, they didn't call me Daddy, they didn't even call me Colin. They used to call me by a biker name. I didn't know what a family was. But I was there in this church. And I heard this guy sharing a testimony. About how he had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, it really didn't touch me at all until towards the end he was talking about heaven and hell and I knew that I knew that I knew that I was going to hell you know I bought my ticket I paid the price in full and there was no alternative was there I knew I was going to hell but I, I had no fear I didn't care how big or how hard you were, I would knock you down. I had no fear, no fear of going to hell. Not until I realized that the gifts of God are love and joy and peace, patience, self-control, that these things are gifts from God. Therefore, in hell, you only get the anger and the hatred and the misery and the turmoil. And you know, it dawned on me that I'd been living in hell all of my life. And I was 33 years old. And it dawned on me that if I was going to hell then all that I would have to face is that for the rest of my eternal life. And I guess for the first time in my life, I was afraid. But something happened because this guy gave an invitation. A whole church. But is there one that would like to try Jesus tonight. And somehow, at the end of that night, and there was only me who went to the front of that church and said, I will try Jesus. You know, I was, my head was not in a good place. Years of drink and drug abuse. So when this man wanted me to pray, 
I wasn't really sure what I was doing. But I said a simple prayer that said, Dear God, I am a sinner. Please forgive me and please come into my heart as I give my life to you. Amen. And you know, something happened at that moment because I started to cry. I started, I'd never cried. I remember my father coming to see me once when I was in the children's home. And I was crying because I wanted to go home. And my father said if that I didn't stop crying, he would never come and see me again. And how do you tell a little kid to stop crying? But I knew my dad would never come again, and he didn't. But I never cried again either. And there I was at 33 crying, and I didn't know why. It took two months to sink in that all the anger and the hatred had gone. And all I wanted to do was to love people. To love people. And who did I hate the most? It was the police. Who did I love the most? And, and it was the police. And every time I saw a policeman... I had to tell him that I loved him. And I stopped drinking without having any side effects. And I stopped taking drugs without any adverse effects. And I really thought that I was going crazy. August 1983, the last Friday... And on the last Friday in October 1983, I went back to that church to ask that man, what have you done to me? That my life used to be okay. But now, I can't drink and I can't take drugs and all I've got to do is love people. What have you done to me? And he explained how even though I hadn't really meant that prayer. God had taken me at my word. He had forgiven me. And he had come into my heart. And he had taken hold of my life. I knew that I was different. This guy showed me how I've become a new creation in Christ Jesus. I was born again. And now he said, what are you going to do with it? Oh, I said something silly. Because I said, God, I don't know one end of a Bible from another. But I know you've done a miracle. I'll go anywhere to tell someone what you've done for me. August 1983, I gave my life to Jesus. A silly prayer. October 1983, I made that silly off-the-cuff remark. And I spent nearly 30 years going all over the world 
telling people about the Jesus that changed my life. You know, it was only the beginning of a new life. And I thank God for every day of it. You know, in 1993, he told me to go back to school. But I was 40 years old. And, and, and I spent three years studying to become a Methodist minister. I didn't want to be a Methodist minister. But I passed my exams. And, but I, I avoided any church responsibilities. That wasn't for me. I went working in a prison. As a, I'm an ex-con, but they took me on as a prison chaplain. It doesn't happen, does it? You know, me and the governor, you have a little two-inch block like that to fill in with a record with your previous conviction details. A little two-inch square. Me and the governor filled in four A4 sheets. And then he said, you're the perfect man for the job. But I then... I, but that was working with the Church of England. So I thought, God obviously wants me to be an Anglican priest. And then the director of ordinance says, you really haven't got a snowball in else chance. But never mind, and he gave me two churches to work in. And, and it wasn't for me. I just run away from that too. But you see, God got me, didn't he? God got me. Coming back from South Africa three years ago, he got me at last. But you know, I never forget the day I gave my life to Jesus. The new life that he gave me in return. I thank God every day for that life. And every day I ask God for opportunities to share that life. This life with someone else. Because I, I want the world to have what I've got. I want you to have it tonight. Fullness of life. Can you imagine that? A fullness of life. And it's only available in Christ Jesus. And guess what? He's here tonight. Just to do that for you. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing another song. And you know I've left my sheet of paper back there.